Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today, you're listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon. He comes out of Romans chapter 15, verses 23 through 33, and it's titled, The Blessings of Giving and Receiving. If God has been good to you, say amen this morning. I, I don't think some of you heard what I said. If God's been good to you, say amen this morning. All right, all right. All right, good deal. Romans 15, we've been walking through the book of Romans now for almost two years, and we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 33, and we're going to finish chapter 15 this morning, and chapter 15 finishes the letter that Paul wrote to Rome, and I know some of you are thinking, but there's a chapter 16, that's the PS, it it really is, that's the postscript. And so we still have several weeks in the book of Romans, but this morning we're going to talk about the blessing of giving and receiving. The blessing of giving and receiving. I heard about this guy who had a heart attack and they placed him in the hospital and the doctor said, hey, listen, you don't need to have very many guests because you don't need to get too excited. If you get too excited, it could cost you your life. Well, lo and behold, when he was in the hospital, he had a rich uncle who died, left him a million dollars. The family did not know how they could tell him for fear that he would get so excited, it'd kill him. And so they thought, you know what? Let's send the preacher. The preacher can tell him quietly and calmly, clearly, not a Baptist preacher. And so... The preacher goes to the hospital and the preacher very calmly was having a conversation with this gentleman working his way up to this subject and he asked the question, hey, I was just wondering, if you had a million dollars, what would you do with it? And the guy thought for a moment and he said, hmm, I think I'd give half of it to the church. Preacher died right there on the spot, had a massive heart attack, dead in the hospital. Giving and receiving. The Bible says a lot about giving and receiving. Uh, The experts in the world today basically has a philosophy that says this. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, and poison the rest. Right? Get for yourself. Take care of yourself. Spoiler alert. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says that we, as followers of Christ, are to honor him in giving and receiving. Let's look at what it has to say there in Romans 15, beginning in verse 23. But now, no longer having a place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles had been partakers of their spiritual things, Their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, 
I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Thereby concluding the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Rome. Remember this series is entitled, A Life Transformation. That the guy writing this book over and over again has been saying, I am not the same person I was before Jesus Christ. That the scripture tells us that when you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus, you'll never ever be the same. So with that being said this morning, I want to share with you three directives that the Bible gives us when it comes to giving and receiving. If you're ready for number one, say, I'm ready. If you're not ready, just keep your mouth shut. Fantastic. The first directive this morning is you and I are to unconditionally count our blessings. I put the word unconditionally on there because a lot of times our blessing counting is conditional. Well, things are going pretty good. I better count my blessings. Well, no, friends. When things are going bad, go ahead and count your blessings there as well. Well, if I wake up in a good mood, I'll count my blessings. No, when you wake up in a sour mood, count your blessings. So it's unconditional. It is not bound or built upon any kind of environment or situational things. Count your blessings. Now, in the little church that I grew up in, in southwest Tennessee, again, I can remember on high attendance Sunday when we had 100. We were like, man, oh man, we had 100 this morning in church. When I hear that I, when, when folks in my hometown know that I pastor a church the size of Highland Park, they can't even fathom that, you know, uh, that, that a church can be that large. But I can remember some of the greatest things that I was ever taught, I was taught right there in that little old country church. We used to sing a song, some of you may have grown up the way that I did, and you sang this song as well. It went like this, count your blessings, name them one by one. Am I the only one that knows that song? <laughs> Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings. And we just stop right I don't want to hear it anymore. But anyway, <laughs> name them one by one. Friends, hear me. You are blessed. I said you are blessed. Paul writes over in the book of Ephesians and he's talking about just how blessed you and I are in Christ. Look at what it says in Ephesians 1.3. By the way, we're going to be talking about a lot of scripture this morning. So if you take notes, get your note taking pen ready. Verse 3 of Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. When you hear me say this morning that you are blessed, many of you are thinking, well, I'm not blessed. I'm really not. 
I'm not blessed. I'm here to tell you today, if you're saved, you're blessed. The blessings are far too many to even count. But go ahead. See if you can. If you know Jesus, you are blessed. I want to talk to you this morning about three spiritual blessings that every Christian enjoys. We could go on, but for sake of time, we'll just talk about three. First of all, if you're in Christ, you've got a new nature. That's what the Bible says. That's what the whole book of Romans has been saying over and over again. That if you're in Christ, you're different than you were before. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. We all know that we struggle with sin and temptation as long as we're in the flesh. But here's what it means. It means that my desire has changed. It means that I'm a different individual than I was before Christ came into my life. That today, if you would sit there and say, well, not me, I'm no different than when I prayed that prayer, I'm no different than when I was baptized, then I'll tell you this, you're in something, but you're not in Jesus. Jesus changes you. You've got a new nature. You see, the Bible says this, that we're all born in an old sinful nature. Sin is who we are. Uh, we gravitate towards that, right? That's who we are. We are sinners by nature and sinners by choice. But hear me today, if you are in Jesus Christ, that has been removed from you. It's not a sinful nature. Now it is a nature to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ through obedience. For instance, here's how the old nature is. Nobody had to teach you how to lie, did they? Your parents did not sit you down and say, okay, all right, you've been growing a little bit and everything, and you're learning your ABCs, you're learning how to add one plus one, and you're learning how to write your name. Today we're going to have a lesson on here's how you lie. Do you remember some of you, that beautiful little child, or, or, or maybe, maybe I'll make it a little bit better. That beautiful grandchild, when all of a sudden that day they just flat out lied to your face. Nobody had to teach them how to lie. Somebody had to teach us how to tell the truth. That comes natural to us. It's that old, old nature. Well, listen to this new nature. The Bible talks about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, if any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. So if you're here today and you say, yes, I am in Jesus Christ, he is Lord of my life, then I'm telling you, you are blessed. Count your blessings unconditionally because you have a new nature. But then secondly, if you're in Christ, you've got a new home. Heaven. Heaven is not just something that is symbolic, friend. Heaven is a real, actual place. Just like hell is not something that is symbolic. Hell is a real, actual place. Well, for those that are in Christ, you have a future home that awaits on you known as heaven. 
And did you know that while you're here living on planet earth for ever how many years God lets you live here, whether it's 70, 80, 90 years, whatever that may be, even though we tend to think that this is all there is, this is just temporary. Because the Bible speaks of a place that is not made by human hands, a place that is made by God himself. Listen to what it says. This is in Luke 10, verse 20, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, do not rejoice because demons are subject to you in my name. Rather, rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? That the moment that you receive Christ as your Lord, your name was written down in heaven. That you have received a down payment And heaven will one day be your home. Now, every one of us in this place, we have folks that we love, folks that are near and dear to us that have left this world, right? They've shelled out of this old tent and they are now in heaven. And you and I are here and we grieve over the fact that they're not here with us. We mourn over the fact that they're no longer here, that we don't get to hear their voice or see their face. But the reality is, if they were in Christ, when you and I get a good understanding of heaven and eternity we ought not mourn over them or weep over them if anything we ought to be jealous of them because they have a home in heaven and that's your down payment of a new home when you die your name's written in heaven but you also have a new family you're blessed if you're in Christ because you have a new family Again, my nature's changed. I know where my home's going to be in heaven. And now I'm a part of a family. In the book of John, Jesus said to some religious pagans, you are of your father, the devil. But when you become a Christian, you change fathers. And you change families. It's a new birth. Born again. You're part of a new family. Now you have a heavenly father. And now you got a bunch of brothers and sisters The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us, mm, that we should be called the children of God. I thought everybody was a child of God. No. Everyone is created by God. But only those that are in Jesus are children of God. You're like, well, I don't like that. What, well, no, take it up with me. I didn't write it. But it's the absolute truth. And so today we're sitting there and we're like, oh my goodness, life's been hard. Things are difficult. I don't really have a whole lot to be thankful for. Again, I'm talking to those that are in Jesus Christ. Count your blessings. Don't worry about the conditions. Don't worry about the environment. Don't worry about even your own feelings because if you're in Christ, my nature is now changed. I've got a future home waiting on me. And oh, guess what? I am now a part of God's family, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So I unconditionally count my blessings. But then secondly, I gotta understand God's economy. That's the directive when it comes to understanding or being blessed by giving and receiving. The Bible teaches that there is something out there that is much more expansive, that is much more massive than the global economy. It's God's economy. 
And guys, I would say this. If you want to get in on what God is doing in this world, then you've got to understand God's economy. How do I understand it? The first part of his economy is this. God is the source. Of the material blessings in your life, God is the source. Of the spiritual blessings, the emotional blessings, anything good that you have that is worth anything in life, God is the source. And it's easy for us to think otherwise because we do it so often. We think that we're the source. I've had folks say to me, I had somebody not too long ago that said this, oh, not me, not me. I earned what I have. I earned my wealth the old-fashioned way. And I expected them to say, you know, I, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I worked hard for it. But they said, they said, I earned what I have by the old-fashioned way. I inherited it. And I'm like, well, that's one way to do it, isn't it? Are there folks that will come along and folks will say, oh, I worked for it. I, I went to school and got an education. I worked for it by the sweat of my brow. I've earned what I have. Or maybe you would say, well, you know, I've just been kind of wise when it comes to investing throughout the years. And that's how I've accumulated the wealth that I have. I want to remind you of something that the book of Deuteronomy talks about. Chapter 8, verse 17. I told you we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. Deuteronomy 8, 17. Check this out. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. And we do. But remember, the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. When you understand that every blessing that you have in your life has come from God, what happens is it changes your entire perspective on life. It changes the way that you view everything. You know, it might have come through your job or through some other challenge, but friend, it came from God. God's your source. Your job is not your source. It's not your investments. It's not even your inheritance. It's God. And unfortunately, too many of us forget that He is the source. There are many of us like this boy that was headed to church one day and his, his mom gave him two quarters and she said, here's the deal. I want you to use one quarter. I want you to put it in the offering in the Sunday school class. And then you keep the second quarter because on your way home, you can stop and you can get an ice cream cone. And so he was so excited. And he was walking to church. And he was thinking about that ice cream, thinking about that ice cream. And in his excitement, all of a sudden, he dropped a quarter. It rolled down a sewer grate. And he just stood there. And he's like, oh, my God. I have lost your quarter, God. It went right down the sewer grate there. And that's how we approach life. And the reality is it all belongs to God. And he allows us to keep some of it. And guys, we honor him by giving him the first. We honor him by giving him the best. Not giving him the leftovers. And what happens is there are a lot of people who will sit there and they're like, okay, I got to pay all my monthly bills. And after I've paid all my monthly bills and after I've, you know, I've bought my toys and, you know, taking care of my hobbies and all the other things, then I'll look and I'll see if there's anything left over for God. And then we say, well, you know what, God, I don't have a lot left. I don't have much, but I'm going to give you some of mine. Please hear me. It's all his. 
It's his to start with. King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, when he was building the temple in Jerusalem based upon the sacrifices of the people's giving, he made a pretty uh, important, amazing statement. Listen to this wise statement. He said in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, but who am I? I think that'd do us all good to ask every now and then, wouldn't it? But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. We have given you only what comes from your hand. And he said, now wait a minute, that doesn't make much sense to me. Are you telling me that God gives me everything that I have? That's right. And are you telling me that I'm to give back a a part to him of everything that he has given me? That's right. Well, that makes no sense. Why would he give to me and he wants me to give back part to him? Let me explain it this way. Uh, when, when Jennifer and I came in, we, we, we flew back in Friday night from, from being in Mexico this past week. And, um, and uh, we, have, we have Reed that's living there at the house, 14 years old, uh, about to eat us out of house and home, to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, and, and our middle daughter's off at college and our oldest daughter, 21, graduated from, from school and uh, this year got her first real job. I mean, she worked on campus and stuff, but her first real job teaching sixth grade language arts at one of our Bay County schools. And, uh, and so we walked in the house Friday night and here's what she said. She said, I've been Christmas shopping. And I didn't pay attention. I'm like, what? You've been what? Christmas shopping? I mean, my goodness, it's October. I start Christmas shopping, I don't know, December 23rd, 24th, something like that. <laughs> what? what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got gifts for this. And she said, folks, I got gifts for this and this and this. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, my half times have changed. Because here's what usually happens. And this, I promise you, will work with our other two. Usually it goes something like this. Hey, Dad, can you give us some money so we can go buy you a Christmas present? <laughs> is, it, is it worth that way at your house, too? <laughs> and by the way, my birthday is December the 24th, Christmas Eve. Go ahead and write that down. Um, uh, my, my preference on presents is cash. Um, but, you know, hey, give us a little more so we can get you a birthday present. And, uh, you know, it, 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 no, no longer does it even give us cash. Hey, will you Venmo us some money so we can buy you? A Christmas present and and when they were little you know before they were driving doing all this stuff on their own we'd take them to the store and you know and give them some money and they'd go out to buy presents for us and all that stuff and you know get it wrapped and be under the tree and at our house we open presents on Christmas Eve and I, I know some of you think there's something terribly wrong with that but you, you take care of your house all right at our house Christmas Eve is when we open it and, and they would open it earlier if we'd let them um, and so we're opening presents. How would it be on Christmas Eve at our house if when I opened the present, I said, is that what you bought with my money? You bought me that? I mean, I appreciate it, but one can only have so many pairs of the Tennessee football socks. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I know in my mind, you know what, I'm the one, I'm the one who gave them the money or Jennifer gave them the money to buy our presents. I, we know that. But when we open it up, it's, hey, 
Man, I thank you so much. Thank, thank you. I appreciate this. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to me. See, it's the same way. Here is God. And listen, I'm a flawed earthly father. If it's that way with me, how do you think it is with a perfect heavenly father? Yes, God gives you all that you have. Yes, God says, I want you to give back a portion of what I've given to you, to me. Because God wants you to do it, number one, to be obedient. He's commanded you to do it. And number two, he wants you to do it as an expression of love for him. What if I gave my kids money and they're like, you know, uh, Christmas Eve shows up and all of a sudden there's like a little old bitty box over there for me and let's just say that it's got something that was very, very inexpensive and I'm thinking, what happened to all the money I gave you? Well, I wasted it on myself. See, 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 this is what we're talking about in this passage of Scripture. God is our source. God is our source. We give it back to him as an act of love. But the second part of God's economy and understanding it is God's seeds are meant for fruit. Romans 15, look back in verse 28. He says, therefore, when I have performed this, he's talking about taking the offering here, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit. And so what God wants for you and I is for us to take these material blessings that he has given us and consider it as seed that he's intended to produce fruit. Matter of fact, you can go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, speaks about the very same offering that he's talking about here in Romans 15. Listen to what he says in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. His words, not mine. Matter of fact, listen to what he says, verses 12 and 13. This service that you performed is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you've poured yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So he's saying if you've been blessed spiritually, and you have. You have been blessed spiritually. Then what he is saying here is, then you should sow your seed and share your material blessings. It's like planting seed. You can take your seed and you can store it. You can hoard it. You can stockpile it. You can put it aside. And by the way, that's what God does with a lot, of, a lot of the resources and blessings that God's given them. They'll sit there and they'll say something like this. I'm going to save it for a rainy day. You never know if a rainy day is going to come. So I'll save what he has given to me for a rainy day. I'll just say this. If we approach the, the gifts that God has given us that way, then be sure God will give you a rainy day somewhere. Jesus said where your treasure is, That's where your heart is. And the reason why some people's hearts are so dead and dark and dull is because their heart is in some safety deposit box somewhere. 
You can store your seed. Or you can consume it on yourself. I'll just take it and spend it on myself. I'm the one that worked for it. I'm the one that earned it. I'll just spend it on myself. So spend what God gives you, and then that's the end of it. Or, according to what God's Word says, you can offer it up into God's soil. And you can plant it. And, you, and, and when you let, you know, you think you're letting go of it, actually what you're doing is you're taking that and you're investing it in God's economy. And what comes forth is fruit or a harvest. He says, much fruit to the glory of God. You see, what the seed that you've been given is what you plant. But what God does with it is beautiful fruit. So God's the source. He gives you what he gives you because he intends for it to be used for kingdom fruit. And then the third part of understanding God's economy. God blesses your gift. Back over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we skip two verses, verses 10 and 11. This is a promise of God to us. Listen to what he says in 9, 10 and 11. He says, now he who supplies seed, and that's talking about the resources there. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also not only supply, but will increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, let's stop right there. Leave the scripture on the screen. Who is he? Is he the guy down at the seed and feed store? Who's he? Is he the grocer? Is he your boss who signs the check? Is he your investment firm? No, he is God. He is God. Keep reading. God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made R-I-C-H. What does that spell? Rich. You're like, I didn't know that you were one of those preachers. I am. I'm a biblical preacher. Expository in nature. You will be made rich in every way. Now, some people limit God. Because they think being rich means that you have a bunch of money. Well, that's only one way. Notice what he says here. You will be rich in every way. Why? Why are you rich in every way? So you can spend it on yourself? No. The reason why you're rich in every way is so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, it will result in us giving thanksgiving to God. And so you give a little bit and God blesses it. And then you give more and God blesses it. And then you give some more and God blesses it. And then you give some more and God blesses it. And that is an unending pattern that has been a promise set up by God. And the problem is some of us, somewhere in the middle of it, a lot of times we will stop. We'll stop. We'll say, well, I've already given. Or we'll say, you know what, I I, I don't need any more blessing. I've been blessed enough. Look at what it says in verse 29. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. 
I've never heard anyone say, I don't want a full measure of blessing, I want a half measure of blessing. No, not me, not a full measure of blessing. I'll take a quarter measure of blessing. No, friend. Friend, listen to me. Paul says the only way I can do that is by a full blessing to deliver this offering. And so God's word, when you give, God blesses. And when you shovel out, God shovels in, and his shovel is a whole lot bigger than your shovel. You cannot outgive God. That's what he is talking about right here. And he says, I want to make you rich. You're like, I heard a guy last night on TV say that. Oh, but I bet he didn't say the rest of this. He's not talking about independently wealthy. He's not talking uh, about anything like that. Here's how you can tell how rich you are. Write this down. You add up everything that money can't buy and death can't take away, and that'll tell you how rich you are. Everything that money can't buy and death can't take away. A good definition of being rich is this, having all your needs met and having the capacity to enjoy life. I know some folks that have tons and tons of money. They are not rich. They don't have a relationship with God. They don't have a relationship with their family. They're the most miserable people that I know. They can't go to sleep at night. They, they, they bought into this delusion that they can buy happiness in their life, yet happiness cannot be bought with the dollar. And yet I'm telling you, I know people who don't have much money and they are wonderfully rich because they have a relationship with God and they can enjoy life. Some of what we would say are the poorest people on, on the face of the planet. I've stood right there outside of their little huts built upon the side of a mountain. And the only way that they knew that they would have something to eat that day is if their crops produced it. So they would go to bed at night not knowing will we have anything to eat the next day. Yet the most joyous, happy individuals I've ever met. Brimming with happiness, overflowing, God's good. And yet we would sit there and say, well, God really hadn't been that good to you, has he? And here's what they would say. You know what? We're not being blinded by the things of this world. We're not believing that material possessions are any indication of God's love for us, that God loves us too much to blind us that way. Mm. I've quit preaching and gone to meddling. Friends, God says when you plant, there'll be a harvest. And 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 you, you, you know how it goes. When you plant, there'll be a harvest. So I'm unconditionally counting my blessings, man. That if I'm in Christ, I can sit there and say, you know what, man? I am rich. I am so blessed. I've got a new nature. I'm not who I used to be. Here's how we say it. I'm not all that I want to be, and I'm not all that I will be, but bless God, I'm not who I used to be, right? I got a future home waiting on me that is not polluted with sin. There's no disease. There's no death. 
the very things that you and I are believing right now by faith, they're seeing with their own, with their own sight. I'm in a new family, brothers and sisters in Christ. God has given to me, he's the source. He's given to me so that uh, eternal fruit might come about. God has given me a promise. If you'll give, I'll bless. If you'll give, I'll bless. If you'll give, I'll bless. And it's so much more than just money. But listen to me, it's not not money. I know that's not correct English-wise, but it's okay. Here's the third one. We'll finish this thing up. We need to unite in praying for each other. Look in verse 30. He says, I beg you, brethren, and, and sisters, you're not let out of this either. He, you're, you're, you're included. I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you will strive together with me in prayers to God for me. I am so thankful that I read this. I'm so thankful the Apostle Paul did not write to them and say, you know what, guys? I'm all right. I don't have a need in this world. No. I'm good, I'm taking care of everything. Need nothing from you. He didn't say that, did he? He said, listen, I need you to pray for me. And we're to pray for each other. You pray for me and I pray for you. Why in the world are we supposed to do that? He kind of talks about it a little bit here. And this is all part of the giving and receiving. First of all, the reason why I pray for you and you pray for me and we unite in praying for each other is because of the struggles of life. Oh, I don't want to burst your bubble this morning, but I feel the need to tell you this. Life's hard. Have you figured that out yet? Life is a struggle. Listen to what he says there. In verse 30, he used the word strive there. The original Greek word that he uses for strive, it's the very same word that we get our word agonize from. I know that somebody may have told you that the Christian life is a playground. Friend, the Christian life is not a playground. They lied to you. The Christian life is a battleground. Life is tough. Life is a struggle, even for the best of Christians. Even for the strongest in faith. And here is Paul, arguably the greatest Christian to ever live. And he is sitting here and he is saying, I'm in a struggle. And it's a struggle. It's why we share our burdens with one another. It's why we need to say, pray for me as I pray for you. We unite in prayer because life's hard. There's a struggle. Secondly, we do it because strong Christians, even the strongest, need prayer. He admitted it right here. Pray for me. You and I need to admit it as well. We need to admit that we need prayers from each other. Sometimes I'll ask someone, how can I pray for you? And sometimes they'll say something like this. Oh, no, I'm good. I don't need you to pray for me. No, I'm fine. Now, when they say that, I know one of two things have happened. Number one, either they are so backslidden that they've lost focus on the spiritual world that is going on around them. They're disengaged from the work of God. Or they, uh, well, I don't know, they're just, they're not telling, well, I don't know, I guess you could say they're in denial. 
They think everything is okay, and it's not. And what I want to say is, what are you hiding? Come on, come on, how can I pray for you? What are you hiding? Paul says, pray for me. I'm in danger. When I go to Jerusalem, there are going to be some folks there that are not believers, and they're going to try to silence me. They're going to try to put me to death. They're going to try to imprison me. I need you to pray for my protection. And I'll have folks that'll come to me, Pastor, how can we pray for you? And let me just stop and say this. Man, I thank God I pastor a praying church. You'll never, ever understand how grateful I am that you go to the Lord on my behalf. People want to say, how in the world has this church grown so dramatically over the last several years? Number one, God's the one who shows favor. He's the one who adds, but I do believe he blesses two things. I believe he blesses the faithful preaching and sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe he also blesses a praying people. People say, Pastor, how can I pray for you? First of all, pray for wisdom. Pray that God will give me wisdom. Pray for uh, God keeping me clean. Pray for protection. Pray that, pray that I'll fall more in love with Jesus every single day. Pray that I will, I will be a student of his word and that I'll understand the responsibility that comes when I stand before you and open up the Bible and say, here's what God's word says. Pray that he would continue to safely guard my family and my marriage. And I'm just saying, guys, I am thankful to be a part of a church that prays for her pastor. I feel that, and I'm grateful. I need your prayers. You need my prayers. We need each other's prayers. Strongest Christians need prayers. Let's admit it, okay? Paul did. We're not perfect. We all struggle. Life can get hard, even for the best, most faithful. So let's pray for each other. So here's the final reason that we unite in praying for each other. Spiritual refreshment. Look in verse 32. Verse 32, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God, and I may be refreshed together with you. It's the same word refresh that Jesus used over in Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight when he said this. He said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Refresh. It's the same word, the same Greek word, refreshment. And so that's what it's talking about right there. So we gather together, we come to Jesus for spiritual refreshment, but we also come to each other for emotional encouragement and emotional refreshment. The Bible says that when we gather together as a family of God, right, as the bride of Christ, we are to encourage one another and we ought to leave this place refreshed. You say, it's kind of hard to leave refreshed, Sit here and listen to the whole sermon. I listen to it twice every week. Every Sunday, my family 
we usually say, where are we going to go eat? And, and here's my, always my answer. I'm going to the house. Go home, put my t-shirt and shorts on. Get me a Dr. Pepper. Or Sunkissed Peach. Have y'all had Sunkissed Peach? Man, they're good. They're loaded with sugar, but they're good. And just unplug my brain. I preached this thing a couple of times on Sunday morning. I'm flat worn out. You're like, well, my goodness, you don't do much, do you? <laughs> please, please hear me. Me, me. me standing up here is not the equivalent of somebody leading a class on how to change your oil or something like that. There is a great spiritual battle that wages. The, the, the heaviness, the burden of one who gives an account for your soul. I'm just saying, when this is over, I'm flat worn out. But when I walk out there to the truck, I'm tired. But can I just say, am I the only one that feels this way? Man, I'm refreshed. Something about gathering together with you guys and singing about honey from the rock. Something gathering about gathering together with you and singing God is so good. So something about gathering together with you guys and opening up the word of God and saying, here's what God's word says and praying together and encouraging one another and passing by each other and just something about all that, right? Refreshment, that's what he's talking about there. We need spiritual refreshment. That's what it means to be a part of the family of God. Now, I, we were out of the country last week, and whenever I'm not here, I, something's not right. I, I feel weird. Something's just not firing on all cylinders. You know, I'm not here among my people, among my family. And I've tried to watch it online, and I know we've got folks that are watching online right now. Let me just stop and say, it ain't the same. It ain't the same. Now, if you're watching online because physically you can't get here because of your health, I get that. If you're watching online because you live out of town or out of state, I get that. But if you're just watching online because you're lazy and you're sitting at the house, get off your butt and come to God's house. My goodness, I've made so many people mad this morning. That's okay. We need more parking, so it'll, it'll be all right. No, we encourage each other spiritually. We refresh as we gather together. It's called the blessing of giving and receiving. Now, here's the important part. Did you see what he's doing here in Romans 15? Oh my goodness, it's like he's talking about the gospel. Isn't that crazy? It's like he's talking about Jesus. Because he is. No matter where you go in the Bible, the subject is always the same. Here it is. Giving and receiving. Here you go. For God so loved you. You. That he gave. His only son, right? The Bible says this, the one who knew no sin, it means that Jesus Christ, the only one to ever walk this earth with flesh on like you and I, and he, yet he did not sin. Tempted in every way that you and I are tempted, but he did not sin. The one who knew no sin became sin. 
so that the world through him might be saved. You look at that word in the original Greek, here's what it means. It's not just this simple thing. We hear the gospel so much, it no longer moves our hearts. I think what most of us need to do in this room is pray and say, God, remind me what it was like when I was lost. The word there in the original Greek carries this idea of a rescue. It means if somebody did not do something, perilous times were coming. So God said, all right, I'll give. I'll give my best. I'll give Jesus. And if you'll just receive the gift of his grace and his mercy, even though you deserve death, even though you deserve separation from God, he'll give you life and he'll reconcile what sin messed up. That's called the good news. And it's available to every single one who will come to Jesus. I want you to ask yourself this question this morning as we get ready to close this service. Am I in Jesus Every one of us in this room, one of two categories, there's no in-between, either you're in Christ or you're not. In Christ means this, there's Lord, he's Lord of your life, that there has been a change. You're different now because of your faith and trust in Christ than you have ever been. Or you're not. There's no almost saved. It's damned or delivered. But the good news is, He's given today. Will you receive the gift of Jesus Christ? Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, Our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.